What's up, everybody? Today we have Travis Chapel on, and Travis shares how he made a life-altering decision about leaving literally everything he knows in his life, which was everything, his people, um, his his friends, his entire uh, being, to pursue something crazy, and more or less how he's made it work for himself. And I think it's a great show. I think it's a lot of deep conversation and uh, deep thought processes that you need to be asking yourself if you haven't already. So I think you're going to very much enjoy it. Let's check out what he has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guyao Now Show. I am your host, Bob McIntosh, and I am very excited to have on Travis. We're just going to do a like, single name, like Share or Trump or... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly own the, right. Own the single name. You know, it's funny. It's just a complete side note. Someone told me one time, it was like, you know you've made it in life when you have a, uh, a singular name, like just Travis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah I, I don't know um, if I've made it in life except for it's only basically that I was just too lazy to type my last name in the in the um, the chat there. So um, yeah, hey, I don't know if it's... Maybe, maybe that's what it takes. <laughs> Laziness creates greatness <laughs> when it comes to naming. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on. So thank you for being here. Um, a little bit about how we met. So obviously we met in a mastermind and it's funny, I keep doing episodes. I'm like, man, like I met this person in a mastermind. So if you're like considering doing podcasting or wanting to level up the game of the people that you meet, uh, clearly, apparently, according to me, masterminds is the best way to do that. Yeah, for um, real. And yeah, so uh, we met and I actually had the honor of being on your show, on your podcast show early on. I don't remember the exact episode number to be real, but I know it was earlier. It was on a while before. back. Yeah. yeah, it was a while back, man, because I started the show like like two weeks before I went to the first Thrive so um, that I went to, uh, which would, would have been 2017. So, yeah, I mean, you must have come on maybe two, three months after that. So I was maybe say, episode yeah, I, like I remember 40 I something. I was in, in Buffalo, I think. So it was probably like 2017, yeah, I think. Were, yeah. yeah, so which ironically, I'm in Buffalo again right now. Um, <laughs> nice. Just just got here a couple of days ago. Um but yeah, so um, I know that you've, you know, you've built a, a pretty successful podcast, had on a lot of really great people, had some amazing conversations with, with some folks. So um, I, I think uh, for a lot of my audience who is either getting going in their own podcast or in their own journey of entrepreneurship, um, or in, even a lot of cases, people who have had a lot of success, uh, I, I think there's a lot, that, a lot of value that you can provide. So I'm excited that you're here. And uh, yeah, just I wanted to thank you again for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, bro. Of course. Happy to uh, happy to chat and have a conversation. Perfect. So for everyone that doesn't know you, um, just a little bit about your background, kind of what you do, and let's go from there. Sure. So I uh, grew up, I'll just kind of give you just like Cliff Notes version, you know, grew up in a uh, really, really religious bubble slash community uh, from the time that I was two or three until the time I was about 20, 21. Uh, so literally uh, I went to church on the same campus that I went to school and I went to school there from, you know, graduated kindergarten, the same campus that I graduated from college on. So from kindergarten all the way through senior year of college, I was at this one campus, basically you know, really seven days a week. If you, if you really think about it, cause on Saturdays we did what we called quote unquote soul winning, which is basically just going out knocking on doors and inviting people to come to church on Sunday. And then we had church on Sunday, three, like three different, different services on Sunday. And then we had church on Wednesday and then we had school every day of the week. So, um, wow. it was kind of a unique experience growing up and I obviously didn't look at it that way until I got out of it and then kind of looked back on it was like, wow, that's kind of an odd, you know, unique 
way to have grown up, but uh, it, that's just what it, it, it is, what it is. You know what I mean? It was what it was at the time as well. So uh, I, 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 say I think all it that. gives you great perspective too, to be able to say, oh man, like not many people can say that they've been through something of that nature. So yeah, for sure. It definitely gives me a, a, a greater perspective on trying to understand where other people are coming from and, and what people believe because my beliefs have changed so much. And when I used to be so die hard a certain way, and then now I'm not that way, it's, it's made me more open to what other people have to say. And I think that people who never challenge the beliefs that they were raised on don't have that perspective. They still just go throughout life accusing people of being wrong instead of being open to what other people have to say but that and then that's a completely separate conversation <laughs> that we get into if you <laughs> want to but um but yeah so it kind of gave me a unique perspective but I, I say that to say that basically in that culture uh they push you to go into full-time ministry with your life there we didn't have a career counselor that asked us what we wanted to do it was basically like are you going to go into ministry you're not going to go to ministry if you are going to go to ministry here's an application to the college that's on this campus and if you're not going to go into ministry then you know good luck doing whatever it is that you want to do like we're like they wouldn't they wouldn't like facilitate anything beyond that decision you know what i mean like if you want to go to military if you wanted to become an engineer they're not like oh you need these grades and these transcripts to go to this university and here's how to fill out that application like there was none of that it was basically like if you're going to ministry here's the path if you're not then good luck you know what i mean um and uh, yeah exactly so i went the ministry route which I went to college on that same campus, purely ministerial college. I graduated with a degree in Bible and church ministries. By the time I graduated, I basically realized I didn't want to be doing that anymore. Uh, but the difference is that I couldn't just go like sleep on a friend's couch because I got married right before I graduated. Oh, and wow. uh, and then and then right after I graduated, I bought a house. So I had a mortgage and a wife and was still kind of stuck trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, during during that time or during college, I was doing door to door sales. And so after I got out of college, I was like, well, I was pretty good at this door to door sales thing. And and uh, this degree that I have that's in Bible and church ministries probably isn't going to get like land me a job anywhere, um, especially because it was unaccredited. It was even worse than a regular Bible church ministries degree because it was unaccredited degree. And so at that point, I was just like, well, uh, what else do I do? So I just kind of like used the skill set that I had kind of developed in college for selling. And I did door-to-door, 100% commission, door-to-door sales um, out of college because that was really all I knew, all I knew to do. And after having some success with that, like the first year that I went full time after college, I pulled six figures at like age, you know, 22, 23, whatever I was at the time. And it was kind of counterintuitive what happened after that, because you would think that as a young kid who made you know, six figures in 20, 25 hour work weeks. Cause we'd only worked from like, you know, 4 PM to 8 PM. We weren't in, we weren't a summer program that was putting in 12 hour days. We were working year round. So we'd work when people were home three o'clock to seven o'clock or four o'clock to eight o'clock or two o'clock to six o'clock, depending on like different seasons and, and when it got dark and things like that. So, you know, 20, 25 hour, uh, 20, 25 hours a week, making six figures, like hanging out with friends on the weekend, you know, having fun. It, it was, it, it would seem like it, oh, that's a good opportunity. You should stay there, you know? Like uh, but when I looked life, right. You yeah, right. <laughs> right. And, and and when I the problem was that when I looked into the future, I knew that I wanted a lot more and I wanted to get there a lot faster. And I knew that I was already bumping up against the ceiling of where I was the opportunity that I had there specifically. And so uh, that was a scary feeling to be at that point when you're that young to feel like you're already almost like brushing up. Against, like, I say that I was like brushing up against it because there was some more potential there. And I could have probably made some more, but it would have been incremental. And it would have taken longer to have that incremental change 
change and was just like, this doesn't seem like the risk reward profile is worth it. And so at that point, I just kind of stopped. It, the, the, the interesting thing about 100% commission sales is that you can't just half ass it. You know what I mean? I couldn't just show right. up to work and collect my paycheck while I figured out what I wanted to do and just like, you know, be on Facebook at my cubicle all day. You know, like if you're, <laughs> you're either all in and you're selling and you're doing well or you're not doing well at all. And right. so I was basically left at that point to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And, um, I, again, didn't have a degree that mattered. I didn't have any experience or anything doing anything else. I applied for a ton of sales jobs, but because I was hundred percent commissioned door to door, nobody gave me a job. They didn't like the corporate world wanted me to have corporate experience, but I was like, I don't have corporate experience because nobody will give me a shot, but I'll guarantee you that I'll sell more than all these guys. You know what I mean? Like I've been selling right. harder and colder. And if you give me warm leads that I get to just like walk into somebody's house, they're expecting me to be there. Like I can close that all day. That's was my mentality at the time. I figured people would give me a shot. Somebody's got to give me a shot. You know what I mean? And, uh, and no, nobody did. They were looking for like more experience doing the sales in the corporate setting. And I didn't have that. And so I was just kind of like, well, what do I do? You know, felt kind of like a failure felt, um, you know, like kind of like I got, I got an unfair shake because I didn't have access or exposure to like traditional career building opportunities that most, you know, teenagers or young adults might've had growing up. And, um, it, so I knew at that point, I basically had two decisions. One, uh, get mad and upset and blame everybody or to take responsibility and figure out a way to make it happen for myself. And, and I opted for number two, because that's the only way that leads to the path or leads to the destination that I wanted to be at. And, uh, so I just kind of, for the first time in my life, started consuming a lot of information and content and dove into personal development for the first time ever read some books and some audio books and, and then started listening to podcasts for the first time. And that's when I started thinking like, I think this would be a pretty cool path. Cool. So it's, you kind of like found podcasts and then, you know, were you, were you at that point, like, were you a, a consuming junkie? Cause I know a lot of folks go on this path of, um, I heard this recently, I don't remember where it was, but they become learners instead of earners. So rather mm -hmm. than implementing the knowledge, they just keep continuing to, to get knowledge. And it's, there's nothing inherently wrong with getting knowledge as long as you're implementing it. So did you find yourself in that path of like constant, uh, you know, consuming or, or did you like start to implement it immediately? Yeah, I definitely didn't implement it immediately uh, because it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really directed learning. I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I know I want to. It wasn't like a, I know I want to be a marketer. Let me go learn about marketing and implement it in my marketing agency. It was like I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. Like, bro, I, I looked at. I looked at FBI applications. I looked at how to become a like firefighter. I looked at so many different opportunities at that time because I was legitimately doing the work of a 15-year-old kid in the body of a 23-year-old guy with a mortgage and a wife. You know what I mean? So I, I was very much just in consumption mode because I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, and I'm not somebody who can just sit around and do nothing. So I was obviously doing some things in that time. And you know, hus hustlers are always hustling something. And so I was just kind <laughs> of you know hustling random things and selling random things and stuff. And, um, I was, when I was listening to a ton of podcasts and stuff, I was studying for my mortgage license and I was going to start selling mortgages. And, uh, and then, uh, and then a buddy of mine who I did door to door alarms with talked to me about this, uh, water purification system. They started selling door to door and, uh, the commissions were pretty big. So I, I actually took my mortgage, mortgage exam and passed it, but I never, uh, never, did anything with it because this water opportunity came in. And so I literally was just selling water purifiers door to door until the podcast was making enough money for me to be able to move into doing online podcasting and online business full time. 
Nice. Very nice. So did, did having a, a mortgage and a wife influence your decision making of like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for something more stable or or not? Like, I'm, I'm always curious in how that how that works for people. Yeah, not really. Um, interestingly enough, I guess, uh, because I because I knew that I wanted the potential, right? I was like, I, even if I go down the corporate sales job, you know, if I'm here for five years and I'm a regional director of sales, like the max amount that I'm going to make at this company is like maybe a quarter million in a year. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't appeal to me. I was like that, I mean that, and I'm not saying that that's a tiny bit amount of money. Like that's a good job. But what I'm saying is that I knew that I wanted more than that. And I knew that that path was going to take like 25 years to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish in 10 years. And, uh, and so the, just the other paths didn't have that same opportunity. It was kind of as simple as that for me. Um, and, and I knew, I knew that the ability to sell, would take me through any sort of slumps that, that I may have had. Like, that's the big thing that I still have to this day is like, even if everything that I'm working on failed tomorrow, which I really, really hope that it doesn't, <laughs> but <laughs> if it did, you know what I mean? Like, like I could go generate more income, you know, next month and make pretty good money and try something else and do it again. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I just didn't, you know, I've, I've, I, it's not like I don't have that anxiety of providing for my family because I do. Um, but it's just the, the, like I, the, like I said before, the, the risk reward is something I always look at. And when I look at the potential reward of being able to accomplish the entrepreneurial dreams that I have, it, the reward far outweighs the, the risk that's involved. Awesome. And I think that's a great way to look at it too, is understanding, understanding that risk work because for everybody, it's a little bit different. You know, I remember when I first started my journey, um, you know, I, I was married at the time and that was a huge thought to me. I was like, oh man, like I'm the primary provider of income here. If I go do this other thing and I don't have anything else to support us, like what, are, you know, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that really, you know, limited down the availability of options. Like he's on, it's like, Hey, like, living in a, you know, living nomadic and the mac and cheese diet just might not, might not work when it's, you know, when you have, when you're responsible for someone else's life and yeah. not necessarily responsible, but like, you know, that, that you have, you do have some responsibility in that as well. So. Right. Right. And, and to give credit to my wife too, she, she was working at the time. So like during that time I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. She was, she was working and pulling in a paycheck as well to, to like, you know, help supplement our, um, and like pay our bills and stuff. So. Yeah. So how did she take, I guess, both this exit from, hey, I don't want to go down this ministry path anymore. And then to go even just, hey, not just like, I'll say a normal route of a job, but like, be like, hey, I'm gonna go this even to like the other side of crazy. And let's say that that's necessarily crazy. But like, for most of us, I would say as entrepreneurs, what we do is crazy. A lot of times yeah. we're willing to give up, uh, you know, a 40 hour work week for a 100 hour work week, just at the opportunity for something. So it's just a very different mindset. Um, you know, was she 100% supportive? Was she on board? Or was she like, nah, I don't know about this. Yeah, the jump from non the jump from ministry to non ministry was a lot bigger than any of the like entrepreneurial leaps or ventures that I've gone after. In that regard, she's always been fully supportive of me. Um, I think awesome. probably because she, she didn't have a ton of financial stability growing up. Um, so it, it seems kind of counterintuitive because you think that she would like be looking for that. But I think that it just made her have a high tolerance for like no stability. But also she gotcha. saw that even in college when we were still dating and engaged and stuff that I was making better money than 
all of our friends doing door-to-door sales and stuff. And so, uh, and then my, my parents did pretty well with like real estate and uh, different flips that they had. And they like, uh, we're, we're, we, I grew up like really like just middle-class, like my, my parents did well and, and uh, they were just really smart with their money, super, super frugal and, uh, and, and kind of the opposite of what her family was like growing up and, and they didn't ever have extra money and uh, they were not disciplined with their money. And so when, uh, when we got married, she very much just trusted my judgment on mm. bringing in income and being smart with the money that I did make and not blowing it on dumb stuff like a lot of people do. <laughs> so um, I think that I kind of got lucky in that regard, fortunate in that regard that she trusted a lot of those decisions. The decision to leave ministry or to not pursue ministry was a lot more difficult because that was literally like a programming that we had in our brains from that she grew up very similar to the way that I grew up. And so we had very much that same, you know, mental programming in our, in our heads that told us that that was the path that we were supposed to go down. So when that conversation was a lot more difficult than any conversation of like, I'm going to do this thing, or I'm going to do that thing, or I'm going to spend money on this mastermind, or I'm going to, you know, invest in this new software company or whatever, like those were always a little bit easier than that initial one was. So uh, were were the people that I'm going to, I'm going to make an assumption here that the, you know, your entire life being surrounded around this, this ministry, all of your friends uh, for a lot of people were probably a part of that too. You know, did, did, was there a lot of resistance on you leaving from them as well? Or, or, yeah, for know? sure. And if so what did that, what did that look like? And how did you overcome it? Just about everybody, man, just about everybody. There was a lot of resistance. Um, and I don't even really like, you know, blame them or anything. It was just how it was. Like that was just the culture that we were, were brought out, brought up in. And so like in college, when, I had an opportunity in the company that I was working at to uh, take this like six figure role um, in a different market. And it would have taken me completely out of any ministry. And I talked to a couple of people and they were like, Oh no, 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 you, you can't do that. You know, you like, you got to just go do the ministry thing. Like this is what you're supposed to do. And so and from that point forward, after I talked to like two or three people about it, I just kind of kept it to myself. Cause those were like some of my closest friends and they were telling me to, you know, not do that and to go into ministry. And so I just didn't feel the liberty or freedom to be able to talk to anybody about it, especially the authority figures that I had in my life. Like they were not interested in the, in the other path at all. And, you know, one of, one of the people that was really influential in my life was just, I had a meeting with them and I was excited for it because I'd been spending months wrestling with this decision, feeling really lonely about it. And then I sit down with him and then he was just like, well, that's just the money talking. And sooner or later, you're going to have to get that up and go into ministry anyway. And then he just like went to the next point. And I was like, man, I've been wrestling with this for the past like six months like losing sleep over it trying to figure out what to do with my entire life and like in a half a second you just told me to you know well screw that and do this thing and uh without even really trying to understand my perspective or my thoughts or my feelings on it and so i it was just kind of a lonely time period to to be honest i just kind of kept it all to myself and got really introspective and didn't tell anybody how i was really feeling about it um, until my wife, and I moved away to Fresno, which, so I grew up in Southern California, Fresno would be central California. And there was a pastor there who invited us to come out to work at his church. Uh, but he was the first person that ever told me like, look, we just want you guys to be a part of the ministry here. So whether that means you just come here and you're a layman in the church and you work full-time somewhere else, or you work part-time at the church, we have a job available for you that would be part-time, or we have a full-time position available for you. We just want you to come out. And uh, so that was the first time I ever felt like freedom to make a decision for myself. So I decided mm-hmm. to move up to Fresno. When we got there, um, it took me like three weeks to decide 
for sure that I didn't want to be in ministry anymore. And it was like from there. So like, as soon as I got out of the bubble away from all the influence and authority that had been like guiding my life for the last 20 years, I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm not pursuing that path anymore. Right. So shift in perspective certainly helped. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Experiencing, I think the number one thing that changes belief systems is experiencing something that's in contradict that's that's contradictory to what you've been taught to believe, and that's exactly what happened to me. There's just so many things that I experienced living real life, working somewhere that wasn't a church or a ministry, um, that uh, that went just completely against the grain of the beliefs that I had instilled in me since I was a kid. So experiencing those uh, was, was really, were really big factors in, you know, changing a lot of the things that I, that I was taught growing up. I, I can totally, totally get that. Even just like for me not coming from anything even remotely close to that, but even just growing up in a small town versus, you know, a big city. Yeah. The, the, even that. And, and again, that's not even nearly as I, I think influential on a lot of things, but still for, you know, for me, it is. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this. Okay. So you, you know, you go up here, you, you get to Fresno, it takes you about three weeks and you make this, this life altering decision <laughs> that ultimately leads you here. So thank you for making that decision, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I, I think my, I think my younger self for making that decision as well. So yeah. Like if I could ever do time travel, I'm gonna go back and be like, high five, bro. Good yeah, job. for real. <laughs> um, do you find yourself reverting back to any of the methodologies or thinkings, uh, you know, thought patterns that you had back then and it's like a constant struggle or, you know, did this like dramatic shift sort of erase that, that and allow you to start from scratch with building new, new thought patterns and new beliefs? Yeah, it definitely took a while. It wasn't just like an overnight thing, but, um, uh, I would say now I, I'm sure that there's some stuff that I don't realize that, uh, that I still do or believe, or, you know, something that, that is wired in my brain that I, that I haven't figured out yet. But, uh, right. for the most part, I think a lot of that's been reprogrammed. I, I look at it very much the same way as like uh, computer programming, you know, like you're born a blank slate and then slowly, but surely every thought experience, teaching authority, figure, culture, society, messaging, marketing, news headline, everything starts to shape the person that you are and starts to code your brain to react certain ways, like program your subconscious to, um, you know, to train you how to behave. And, uh, when I became like a young adult, it was basically on me to reprogram a lot of that coding that was you know, stuck in my, in my head. And, uh, I think I, you know, met that challenge head on and was at least willing to, uh, was willing to confront the scary thoughts of, wow, I could be wrong. And, uh, and I think that that, you know, has served me up to this point. And that's amazing advice. Like, I love that, you know, address the scary thoughts. Um, cause I think they are like the, the reason I wrote the book at I've your own way and you know, why this is the show now is that, you know, I, I don't know. I've been on stage for whatever, like 3000, 3,500 hours, something like that. And I, you know, talked to probably more than 10,000 entrepreneurs in that time. And it's the same repeating that the excuse or the reason might change a little bit based on whatever their life situations are. But um, more often than not, it's either a failure to address those scary thoughts um, that you've you know been doing and continue to do, or it's avoidance of them. It's just like, hey, no, they're not, they're not there. But yeah, I, you know. Um, so I think I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's difficult, man. It's really difficult. It's, it, it, everything that I did in my life was based on the belief system that I had. Everything. 
where I went to college, the people that I hung out with, the activities that I participated in, the, the activities that I did not participate in, like everything that I did in my life was on was built on this one belief that I had. And if you challenge that foundational belief to your life, you challenge everything, everything that you're doing. You know what I mean? Like when I was challenging this belief system, I was already married. So like shaking that foundation of marriage and thinking like, man, do I even believe in marriage? Do I even think this is a good thing? Like that's a scary thought to come up against when you're married. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so like when you have to address all of those things and address all of those issues, it's a lot easier just to be like, nah, I don't want to think about this and just turn on Netflix. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's very, very scary. And that's why I am try to be as supportive as I can be for anybody that's trying to at least just challenge the beliefs that they were raised on. Because if you think about it, bro, think about the odds of being raised in the only correct belief system in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh -huh. but everybody, uh -huh. uh, everybody every day is, is arrogant enough to think that they were, they, they happened to be raised the lucky one that was raised with everything being a hundred percent correct. And they've right. never challenged any of those beliefs and asked themselves, genuinely asked themselves if they, you know, have any reasoning why uh, they believe those things, but they go their entire life believing it and living according to those beliefs. And it just, it, it, it just is something that I'm just like, man, you gotta, you gotta be willing to at least just be like, okay, I, I, I'm not wrong, but like, what if I am, you know what I mean? Like right. if it, if it were possible that I am wrong, what would that look like? You know what I mean? And being okay and being willing to address those things. Cause the, the biggest thing that I've, one of the big, one of the things that I hate the most, bro, is uh, hypocrisy. Anybody that, anybody that preaches something and then lives the opposite of what they preach. And mm -hmm. that's rampant in, uh, in the, the culture I grew up in, which is independent fundamental Baptist. So hypocrisy is rampant in the IFB movement. Uh, but it's also rampant in everyday life. And, uh, and so when, if you can't, if you can't, you know, live according to your beliefs, then why do you believe them? And what's the purpose of believing them? You know what I mean? So I, I just, I just got to the point where, where it was an inconsistency in the way I was behaving because I expected everybody else that I talked to, to be open to changing their beliefs to my belief. Like anybody that I was like, quote unquote, witnessing to, or people that we would go out, you know, soul winning and talking to, like, the people that I would talk to, I wanted them, like, no matter what religious background they came from, no matter what spiritual background they came from, no matter if they were atheist or Catholic or whatever it was, I wanted them to be open to the idea of being a Baptist. But if any of them invited me to their church, if any of them wanted to expose me to their beliefs, I would immediately shut it down and be like, no, that's just the devil tempting me. You know what I mean? Like, I would not be open to anything that they had to say. And I just kind of hit me as a young adult where I was just like, isn't this the epitome of hypocrisy to to be to expect everybody I come in contact with to be open to everything that I believe, but to not be open at all to anything that they believe, um, even if it has validity. You know what I mean? Like if somebody says something, I'm like, oh, that actually sounds a little bit valid. I would just completely write it off instead of thinking about it a little bit more. You know what I mean? And so wow. it just it just got to the point where I was just like, I, I cannot live in consistency with my belief about avoiding hypocrisy if I'm not at least willing to be open to what somebody else has to say. And if you're open to what a lot of people other a lot of other people have to say, you'll find that you're probably a lot more like those people than you think you are, uh, which yeah. is what you know kind of led me down down the path that I'm on now. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it, as you're talking about this, 
related but just more of a, on a funny note but which is there was an episode of south park where they all end up in in hell and, and it's like wait i was this religion i was that one i was this one wait what was the right one and the guys got like a little binary he's like mm, mormon was the correct choice sorry mormon you all chose wrong <laughs> that's exactly right oh man that, that show bro is so funny for that reason like it, it, it presents such like real truths in such a funny way to me yeah, it's true. As you're talking about it, I was like, that's what I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's still, it's true though, right? Like, yeah, how, how often do we, are, are we not open? And, and by the way, um, if you're listening or watching this, understand that, that that hypocrisy or and being open to hearing someone else out is not just necessarily related to a religion specifically, but to your business, to an idea, to maybe one of your employees or yeah. your, a, a contractor that you work with or on a on a podcast or a show that you listen to or, yeah. you know, it, it comes in all forms, not, not just this one form. Yeah, it served me really well in business, man, because uh, like I said, I think that it, it, like going through something that dramatic at that young of an age where it was just like, my entire belief system has shifted and everything that I thought that I knew, I'm not sure that I do anymore. Like I was so arrogant and, and foolhardy about my beliefs before to where now it makes me understand that the odds of me being right now aren't good either. You know what I mean? Which is why I'm always constantly trying to learn new things because like, I know that like I'm, I'm still only 28, you know, and even if I were 58, like you still, you can't know everything. Like we, as a society, as a culture, science, like, like every, every discipline within science, all of those things are still incomplete. They're still being written on a daily basis. And uh, so how arrogant is it for us to just think that we have the answers to everything? And so it's, it served me, it served me really well in business to, um, to, you know, to think that I have the answer for something, but also be willing to open to be open to somebody else's perspective on their answer or their solution for the problem, which a lot of times ends up being extremely valid and I can learn from and implement and, uh, and, and get out of my own way a little bit faster. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. So, uh, do you think that in, in the process of, of doing, of doing this and, and, and the trauma that you had to go through and the realization that you had at such a young age, uh, one of the questions I get asked a lot, and one of the questions I even ask myself a lot, a lot of times is, you know, do you have to have that trauma to really get out there and be successful? And if so, does it matter how much? Like, is it like, is there like a some sort of threshold of this is enough where you can figure it out? Um, you know, because one of the things that I see a lot is, you know, a lot of the people that I know, not all of them, but a lot of them are, that are very successful have experience some sort of groundbreaking moment, whether it be uh, a loss, uh, a question, uh, a belief change or whatever. Um, do you think that that's necessary? Do people need to be asking themselves those things um, to, to get further along if they're not where they want to be right now or not? Yeah, it's a good question, man. And it's one that I've asked on my show a ton because it, it interests me a lot because you're right. I'm, uh, you know, I've done almost 500 episodes of my show now and looking back at all those people, almost all of them had something that happened that made them go a different path or motivated them to see an extra level of success that most don't. So, uh, but I, I have had some people that, that didn't have that catalyst and that instigation to, to do those things. So I, I, I don't think that it's a prerequisite. I just think that, that most people don't allow themselves to be that thoughtful or introspective until something like that happens. Mm -hmm. Most people, when life is going okay, they're not trying to examine 
you know, what to fix or what to do better because it's going okay. Um, and so they don't ever allow themselves to get deep into thought. They don't spend time with themselves. They're not doing meditations and they're not, uh, they're not, you know, avidly consuming new material, uh, to, to try to figure out what this problem is, this pain point is, you know what I mean? Like one of the human beings, biggest motivators is avoidance of pain. And it's a much better motivator, as you know, than, uh, than attraction to pleasure. And so just that attraction, (laughs) that, that attractiveness to pleasure isn't going to be enough to move people in that direction. So I think more often than not, it's response to pain that gets people to move in that direction. But I don't think that it's necessary. I think that, I think that, uh, like if you're listening right now and you haven't had one of these like traumatic life altering belief changes or experiences or anything like that, I think that it's worth putting yourself through controlled struggle to build that muscle. Cause that's really what I think people who've been in those positions come out of it with. They they come out of it with a muscle that knows how to get through struggle. It, it, it's become a habit to be able to push through struggle. And so I think that some people who maybe didn't have uh, those types of things happen can put things into their daily routines to help themselves build habits that allow them to overcome struggle and have the mindset of somebody who overcomes struggle all the time and and doesn't just give into obstacles. That's why I like stuff like uh, like working out and getting up early and journaling and things like that, like doing things that most people aren't willing to do so you can have results that most people aren't willing to have. I think that especially if you haven't had one of those life altering things, if you didn't have a struggling, you know, childhood, if you didn't have a story of an immigrant that, you know, diving in dumpsters when you were three, like if you didn't have those types of things, then I think that it's really smart to put yourself in, put yourself in situations where you are forcing yourself to do something that may be uncomfortable, but saying like, but, but getting to the root of why do I want out of this so bad, right? Like doing a cold shower, or even if it's just like, like walking longer, like, like if you're going to walk into the grocery store and it's freezing cold outside, instead of sprinting over there, just walk leisurely next time and ask yourself why you are so intent on getting inside of the store. And is it that big of a deal to be in this cold for another 10 seconds longer and push yourself a little bit, like just building up that muscle. It sounds so silly and sounds so little and minute, but if you, if you put you, if you just always put yourself in the habit of continuing to push through struggle and allowing uncomfortability to be something that you're comfortable in, I think that it will, will, will serve you tremendously down the road. I love that answer. Love it. I mean, and like, so it's interesting uh, having completed 75 hard, just uh, what, maybe about a month, month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, same, same thing. Like you have to ask yourself in that program or anything of that nature, whether it's that one or not, um, you know, why I remember there was a, there was a, it was the day. Uh, so around like day, like 47, 48 to like 52, and I just got pissed. I started swearing. I was like, "F this! Why am I doing this? Is stupid! What the look at that!" And I, and I and like I and after I got done like venting, I stopped for a second. I said, "Why am I so angry about this thing that I'm choosing to do? Like, right. it's not like I'm being forced to do it. It's not like I have to or I lose something. It's just a matter of I've made this decision." And it was very the uh, like you said the introspection of that point of my thought process of going why why is, is am i reacting this way was probably the most beneficial thing and it's funny that it takes that long right you know yeah um we talk about uh, you know, all the habit books talk about 20 days 30 days to form a habit and it's like sometimes you got to push yourself a little bit further to really for the, the i might form a habit but not really break through the reason why i need that yeah right i'm, I'm actually on day 65 currently 
uh, oh, 75 man. hard. So yeah, right in the thick of it, but you're right, bro. <laughs> that, for that. Yeah. Thanks man. Um, that, that like day 47, like somewhere like right day 37 to 47 was definitely the hardest for me on this. Like when you're on day 65, it's like, okay, we're almost done. Right. But right. when you're at that point, it's like, shit, I have like 35 days left and I've already done 40. You know what I mean? Like, right. That, it feels like it's it, never going to end and it's right. been going on forever. Exactly. Yeah. That, that I, I thought I was totally opposite of what I thought would happen. I thought like halfway through it'd be like, Oh, we're halfway through now. The ticker's going down instead of like, you know, being right, uh, right. up, you know what I mean? Like I only have this many days left. Um, but, journey uh, lied to us. We're not halfway there. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Halfway there was, uh, was a joke, bro. I was like, <laughs> I, I was way more upset that week than I was even on like week three, you know, I was right. like week three, I was getting into the swing of things, feeling pretty good about it. Halfway point. I was like, fuck this, <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, now day 65. So I feel like I'm over, over the hump and I got, I got 10 days left. There you go, man. Well, I'm if you finish, congratulations. It seems like you will. If you made it this far, I feel like it's it's not that much more to, to go. So that's awesome. Yes, sir. Um, dude, that's a, yeah, it is. And so the, the other thing that, that strikes me a lot about what you said is, you know, um, is, is making, is creating those points for you. So one of the things I did a, a very intense personal development um, course, it was three different events, took uh, first one with, you know, five days, five days. And the second part was actually, uh, almost three months. Um, but, uh, it, it's fascinating. Like you said, uh, I, I think that's a great point and I want everyone to take it away is you said they have a muscle, right? Like, and, and the way that they described it to us was, Hey, like we're helping you build the tools in your, in your tool belt. You're never going to overcome this thing or erase it from, you know, th this thing that's holding you back, whatever it is for you is never going to be gone. It will always be a part of you. It's just a part of your programming that you grow up with. The best you can hope to do is be aware of when it's, when it's holding you back and have the proper tools to take, to take it out. And, mm -hmm. but I think coming to that point, like you said, is the muscle to understand whether it be a memory muscle, whether it be a physical muscle or whether it be an emotional muscle um, to understand, Hey, this is happening. This is a thing that I need, I get to face and say, let me figure out what, what's going on here and make a decision to either change or not. And, but, but either way, knowing that I've made said decision also gives me accountability if it's not where I want to be when I'm at the end of that decision. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the difference between, you know, like they, they say that if you, if you want an easy life, make the hard decisions. If you want a hard life, make the easy decisions. And that's, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know how else to say it better than that. It's just, if you make the decisions now that most people aren't willing to make, then you can live a life that most people won't be able to have. Yeah, it's funny that you say that that exact way because literally, I don't know if you'll be able to see that or not, but on my phone. Oh, no, so I yeah, it's there you go. Off. There you um, go. Yep. It, the, the part part of it's cut off. I need because my I changed my phone and I haven't changed the, the backdrop, but I know I know what it says. So that, that's the yeah. more important part. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah I well. couldn't agree more, man. So uh, I want to ask you one more question because I, I had written down uh, one specific question I want to make sure I ask. I've loved where this has gone, not at all where it's me necessarily expecting it to, but. That seems to be the case with a lot of my conversations in this show. And I love the fact that it does that because it's a surprise then for me too. But so I, I know that you've, uh, you know, over the last few years, since that first episode that I uh, was on your show with you on, um, you've been able to attract a lot of really high quality guests. And one of the things I get asked, even just in, in my circle, which I, I'm going to say straight up, my circle does not go even as far as yours does in terms of people that we know or that you would have seen out there, whatever. Um, how do you continue to attract those kinds of people? And what is it, what's the mindset that you've had of 
coming from this ministry background of basically like this is not like not a thing you do to where you are now, especially at the age that you're at, which is, you know, I'll say young, I mean, you're almost 10 years younger than I am. Um, like that's that's an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. So what's the mindset behind there and, and how, how have you been able to get out of your own way of, of, of coming from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, for me, it was just that there was no other option. Um, I was starting from zero, man. Like when I left that world, that was where my entire life was. Like I, like I literally spent my whole life there. So when I left and, you know, I, my, my good friends, they were still my friends, but right. they weren't like actively trying to help me be successful in this new venture. You know what I mean? Right. Like they were on a completely different life mission than I was. And I don't blame them for that at all. It's just how it was. So when I started all of this stuff, it was literally from scratch. I didn't, I didn't know it. I'd never even like met a real millionaire, let alone had like a relationship or a friendship with one. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it just that message of trying to constantly connect and level up with the people that I was surrounding myself with just made so much sense to me. It just made sense to me that if I could connect with somebody who's out up here at this level and I'm down here, then like just by hanging around them, I'm going to start moving up the ladder. You know what I mean? Like it obviously has to be followed up with action. You have to take action. You can't just hang out with people and and hope to be better. Um, And you can't, continue to hang out with people if you don't get better if people who are like up here (laughs) allow you into their circle and you don't level up like you're not gonna be able to hang out with them anymore because people like that don't have time for people that aren't leveling up right so um it just kind of became this this loop that kept getting better over time so i built a show on networking it's called build your network i teach people how to build relationships better um and then i used the tactics that i learned from the people on the show to go get higher quality people. And then I'd ask those people what their tactics were. And then I'd use those tactics to go get higher quality people. And it just kind of like, it just kind of kept happening over the course of, of several years. And now, <laughs> yeah, right. It did. And, and that, that's a, a good way to, to, to explain it because now at this point, it's, it's to the point where for the majority, at least in this entrepreneurship world, like almost anybody that I reach out to, I can get in touch with now um, for, uh, for, especially for an interview on my show, which is, you know, obviously pretty helpful to uh, uh, tool to have in your tool belt to use your, your phrasing from earlier. And I, and I have, you know, not much to say on that, except for that, except for that the mindset was that it's possible. That's the biggest mindset shift that happened for me, because most people just write it off, like it's impossible, right? right? They'll they'll look at like a list of people that they want to, you know, have on their podcast or whatever. And it's like, ah, that's impossible. And they immediately, immediately take it out of the realm of possibility in their mind, which takes it out of the realm of possibility in real life. Because if you believe that that's the truth and that's the truth, regardless of whether it is or not intrinsically. Right. So I just kind of took that mentality away from myself at the beginning. And I always like to ask myself like, okay, it's impossible, but like, if it were possible, what would it take? You know what I mean? Like, what would that look like if it were possible and what would I need to do in order to be able to do that? If assuming it's possible. Right. And it just led me to the belief that like, if somebody has a pulse, I can get in touch with them somehow. Right. And the more famous that person is, the more difficult that's going to be, but it's still possible. Like they're alive. They have a beating heart. They can be talked to somehow. It's just up to me to try to figure out how Um, not to limit myself and say that it's impossible. Uh, So I think that was probably the the number one mindset shift for me was going from like, oh, this is impossible to being like, okay, but if it were possible, how would it be done? 
Dude, I love it. I love it. And by the way, like I literally, I don't know, again, probably not going to see this, but this is my list. I don't know there it is, bro. Dream 100 pie. So the, the, I, I've literally there got in my binder, like the hundred people. And I, and I'm like, most of the, most, the, the large majority of the people on here, I've got zero connection to, but there's a few that yeah. I do. And I'm like, okay, leverage those few. And I'm like, I love that you're like, it's possible. Cause I was like, I was making this list and I was talking to a friend and they're like, dude, there's no way that guy's coming on your show. And I was like, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, yeah, right. maybe exactly. not next year, but at some point. Right. So exactly. I, I think, I think that's huge. So I, I, I love, I love that you're I'm like, sweet, I'm doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's just the bottom line, man. It's like everybody starts somewhere, you know? So like, maybe I can't get them on now, but in five years from now, I could probably get them on, you know, like if I keep doing this path, I could probably get them on at some point, just have to figure out how, just have to figure out the connection pieces there. Um, so we actually ended up building a software to help people do exactly that um, is specifically for podcasters and YouTubers and content creators um, where you can like, it's called Guestio. So you can go on there and, and book high level guests for your show. And there's a lot of people, there's like a paid marketplace for like the higher level folks that are in demand. Um, and there's a free marketplace. You can go get in touch with a bunch of other people to bring them on your show and just make it super easy in the booking process. So we're trying to like do a little bit on our end to bridge that gap a little bit. Um, so oh. that when you do make that list, you can go to a software like that and be like, Oh, there's these seven people out of these hundred are actually on this software. You know, they're a thousand bucks for an interview, but you know, these other six people know this person really well. So if I pay for this one, I could probably get these people on organically after I leverage that name. You know what I mean? So we're trying to our best exactly. to kind of, to kind of bridge that gap uh, uh, through creating different tools and, and things like that. That's cool. And, and uh, it's, it's guest.io is, is the, the link to sign. Can people sign up still for it? Or I know. Cause I know it was like in beta for a little bit or. Yeah. Okay, so, but- yeah, we're still, we're, we call, we're calling it beta. It's live. Anybody can sign up for it. We're just calling it beta because we're not like promoting it like crazy right now because right. we're still just trying to work through the workflow, make sure that everything's like, we're just trying to find that product market fit, really just trying to make sure the people that are using it are enjoying it before we like spend a ton of money and bring a bunch more people on there. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it's at guestio.com. So it's guestio.com is what guestio. it is. Okay. Yep. Yep. Got it. Perfect. And guys, uh, I know I'm actually on there. I signed up right when I got the email from you. Uh, actually, I got an email yesterday, maybe. And I'm like, it's in, in my queue. I'm like, oh, that's right. I need to go back and finish some things there. So yeah, nice. <laughs> We've added a ton of stuff since we launched first, bro. So yeah, definitely go check it out. And there's a bunch more uh, guests in there, free and paid that are uh, pretty, pretty hot. Like there's some people that put put it for free where I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't, I thought they were going to charge. You know what I mean? So <laughs> um, yeah, so d- definitely, definitely go check those people out before they uh, start charging. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. For sure. I'll have to do that. Cool. Well, man, dude, I truly appreciate the conversation. It's been, I think, enlightening. And I and hopefully for all of you guys watching or guys and ladies or any others um, watching, listening, enjoying, uh, you took away. As always, you can go check out uh, any show notes, links that that will have on the site. Um, Travis, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and check out your show as well? Yeah, best place is probably Instagram. I spend the most place, uh, the most time over there. So that's just at Travis Chapel, two P's, two L's in my last name, Travis Chapel over on Instagram. Um, and then anything else, you can go to my site, which is just TravisChapel.com. Perfect, perfect. Uh, definitely check him out. Check what he's got going on. I know I've I've gone through some of your uh, some of your stuff. I've obviously been on your show and listened to your show. I've found a lot of value in it. So I know uh, if you're listening and watching this, you'll uh, appreciate that as well. So as always, for each and every one of you on watching, listening, wherever you are, thank you so much. Make sure you uh, rate, subscribe, and review this podcast or uh, YouTube show. Leave a comment. Let me know. I don't care where you are. Just engage with me. Let me know you got going on because at the end of the day, um, while this show is awesome for me, I want to be able to help 
help other people. And I can't do that unless other folks share it out there. So tell a friend. I always like Andy Frisella's way of saying this. So I'm going to give fist bump to him, which is there is a price for the show. And that is share it with one person you know, because if you enjoy it, they probably will as well. So thank you all for being on. And we'll see you guys on another episode. Travis, thank you so much for being here, man. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Bob. Appreciate it. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.